Hey guys, before we begin, I have an exciting announcement. The original cast is having its very first live show. Our very first live show at the first ever Flying V Theater Be Awesome-a-thon. It's a 24-hour live marathon fundraiser for Flying V Theater, and we're going to be a part of it. The Be Awesome-a-thon is being held at the Bethesda Chevy Chase Building, 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland, on December 10th, and the live podcast will be part of that, recorded at 4.30 p.m. Tickets are pay what you can, and that's the good news. The bad news is there are no advanced sales, so it's first come, first served. I'm going to start a Facebook event for the live podcast so we can get a sense of how many people are coming, and which you can find a link to uh, either on our Facebook page or a special URL I'm setting up for my part of the Be Awesome-a-thon uh, at unknownpenguin.com slash live. I've actually got a couple things going on at the Be Awesome-a-thon that day on December 10th in addition to the live podcast, and you can learn about all those things at that URL, unknownpenguin.com slash live. The live show is going to be a slightly different format than we have going here. Uh, we're going to have a few guests, and every one of them, including myself, is going to sing. That's part of the deal with this live show. So if you're in the D.C. area, or even if you're not, come on out and see uh, the show live. Uh, D.C. is accessible from most places. Uh, i got a small list here of cities and towns that are an hour or less away from D.C. Uh, so if you live in or around Hampstead, Maryland, Bealton, Virginia, or Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, they're all about an hour uh, from our venue. So the, one last time, that's December 10th, 4.30 p.m., the Bethesda Chevy Chase Building, 4805 Edgemore Lane in Bethesda, Maryland, at Flying V Theater's Be Awesome-a-thon. It's going to be a thing. I hope you can make it. UnknownPenguin.com slash live for more information. Okay, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. With Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. Did you know there was a Finding Nemo musical? There is. Did you know it was written by EGOT winner Robert Lopez? It was. And while we don't spend a lot of time on it, it is discussed and featured in this intermission. We join the conversation already in progress. And I think the same was with Avenue Q when it came out. Oh, yeah. It was like out of left field. And you went, and I saw the preview of that on Broadway. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, we went up and got like the TKTS. We couldn't yeah, get the yeah. show we wanted. And we were like, so you just saw... let's go see this show about puppets. Oh, but my like, gosh. Yeah. That's so amazing. But like Tony's that year, that one was out of left field because it was up against... It was. It was up against... Uh, 2003, it was, um, uh, it was probably... It was uh, Thoroughly Modern wasn't that same year. If something but, else uh, was supposed to like run the Tonys that year. Yes, you are correct. Uh, Carolina Change and Wicked. Wicked. Or both the same year as Avenue Q and uh, and uh, The Boy From Oz, which is its own little <laughs> hilarious little... Yes, I know. Yeah. Yes. I do have that cast recording because, you know, Hugh Jackman's great. Um, it's your Wolverine, man. But I remember... I know. <laughs> I remember watching the Tonys that year with my wife and we were kind of... That year, the 2004 ones, we were out of college. We were a little bit out of touch. And I had heard of Wicked. I think everybody had. Yeah. And then um, they did It Sucks to Be Me. When I was little, I thought I would be. What? A big comedian on late night TV. <laughs> oh. But now I'm 32, and as you can see, I'm not. Nope. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. It sucks to be me. No. 
It sucks to be me. It sucks to be broke and unemployed and turning 33. It sucks to be me. I remember being like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And we, I mean, we rushed up to see it. In it's mind-blowingly good. Like, yeah. The, and, you know, all the performers were from Sesame Street. Right. And so, like, the one on Broadway was brilliant. Huge, huge yeah, yeah. production. Oh, yeah. We um, saw it. I don't know if it changed theaters or not, but we saw it later in the run after it had changed over some cast members. But it was it was no less yeah. exciting and fun. But, like, um, Spring Awakening similar in that, that 2004 year where, like, Wicked should have won everything. Right. And I, I feel like Avenue Q won a couple awards that you were like, oh, my God. Well, it won, it won Best Book of a Musical, which I think everybody kind of went, okay, that's the award it's going to win. Yeah, yeah. Like, it won Best Book. It's it's really good. And then it won Best Score right. for Wicked. <laughs> and I do remember that reception, everybody kind of being like, okay. Because I think everybody thought that if it wasn't going to go to Wicked, it was going to go to Carolina right. Change. Like, that was the big, the the, the sort of... Those were the two powerhouse. Yeah, musicals. that was the light in the piazza. That yeah. year. that was that musical that didn't run for very long, but everybody who saw it yeah. like went out and wrote a musical. Like it's got that kind of effect on people. Um, and yeah, and then in Slid Avenue Q and won one best musical, best score, yeah. best book, and won a lot of stuff. But Which, you know, Wicked is still running. So yes, pick your poison. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the authors of Avenue Q are fine with I'm how everything shook sure, out. But think they did okay. You know. But, I'm sure they would have loved for it to run as long as Wicked has. Well, but then Robert Lopez turned around and co-wrote uh, Book of Mormon. So, so I think he's fine. Bad. I honestly yeah. think he's okay. He wrote, this is off topic, but I think you'll find this interesting. Did you know he wrote, um, bef- I think right after Avenue Q, he wrote a musical version of Finding Nemo? No. Which is currently playing at Disney World. Okay. And which you can buy a cast album for, which I own because my son. we saw it with my son and he... Thought it was the best thing ever. Fish are friends. Fish are friends. Fish are friends. Not food. Though we have long sharp teeth, we're nice sharks underneath. We know that fish are friends, not food. Well, sometimes we know. Yeah, so they're doing it at a permanent theater in Disney World in the Animal Kingdom. And it's pretty, it's pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty well done. And the songs don't—you have to see the movie, or it doesn't make any. Like they, they skip right. huge chunks of the. It's a, it's a forty-five minute show, but I was really impressed with the quality of the songs. And we bought. My son was like, "I want to buy the CD." And I was like, "Oh God, fine, all right." And then I open up the book, and it's you know by Robert Lopez. And I went, <laughs> "Oh well, that's some pretty that good makes, pedigree right there." That makes there. sense because mm-hmm. Avenue Q. If you just listen to the soundtrack, it's good. It's great. Well, he did a lot but of the stuff. story. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Just no, from the music. Not from yeah. I mean, he did a lot of stuff for Disney though too. Yeah. He wrote like the Winnie the, the new Winnie the Pooh movie. Mm-hmm. He wrote the songs for that. I mean, he's yeah. I know they met with the Broken Lizard guys at oh, one yeah? point to talk about story structure. Um, oh, the guys man. who did like Super Troopers, right? Um, that and they beer fest, right? and beer fest, yeah. and they talked about story structure and how to structure Avenue Q as like similarly in that sort of vein mm-hmm. of comedic storytelling. Right. Yeah. It does have a very. I mean, it's a very solid. Backbone, which is one of the things I liked about it yeah. a lot, is that it didn't it didn't just feel like kind of an episode of Sesame Street, which has like a through line, but has more right. sketches on top of it. This was actually, and that's what a one story. of the things I love. We're talking about it. That's fine. It. We can. Uh, we can no, but one forward. of the things I love about it is that it did have those moments of Sesame Street in it. Where oh they'd yeah, be like you know the two little five. bears. Yeah, <laughs> the two little bears, and they'd be like five, one, two, three, four, five boxes. Yeah, like 
Um, <laughs> yeah, like some great stuff. Like oh, the yeah. interstitials in there were like right. fantastic. Oh, they were. And, and it built them the set and everything and all contributed to the world. I still want someone to make a movie out of Avenue Q, but shot four cameras on a oh, set. Uh, yeah. Shot like an episode of Sesame Street. I think great. that would be brilliant. That'd be really fun. With them like rolling out to Central Park like they do in the Muppet movies mm-hmm. for Life Outside Your Apartment. <laughs> I mean, it's just like... You get to see the bottom of all the puppets. Yeah, exactly point. right. Yeah. You can slide it. I mean, I just think that's, it'd be great. Anyway, but so this is the world that it's important, I think, to because it gets kind of forgotten yeah. 10 years on that when Spring Awakening came out, it was unlike anything on Broadway at yeah. that point. It wasn't, it, it does take, I didn't think of this until you just mentioned it, but it does, it is really more like a more focused and ironically mature version of Rent. Yes. Whereas Rent, the big problem with Rent to me is that, and I love Rent, but the big problem is that it, it it's people railing against kind of nothing in particular. You know, they're just sort of railing yeah. against whatever comes their way, which was what the 90s kind of was. There was this sort of pervasive, I was in high school, we were just mad. No, Why totally. were we mad? I was no, in high school at the same time. The economy like, was great, everything was going yeah. fine, but we're still teenagers. Um, whereas this show is really about people, that that interesting conflict of of teenagers coming into themselves and being not even ignored by their parents, but like flat out lied to by their parents. And then the terrible consequences of that lie. And then the parents, like parents sometimes do, turning that all right back around on them again and being like, no, this is still your fault. Like, even though I lied to you, this is, this is still your fault. I love Avenue Q and I love Rent and I, I, I think they're great musicals and I will listen to them every now and then. But I go back to them and I go, this was for a time period in May. Like, Rent is hmm. definitely for a time period in the 90s where, like, we'd gone through the 80s and they'd blown through all the money right. in the world. And we had this sort of period of, like, artistic inexpression at the time. Mm-hmm. So Rent really hit really well there. But I go back and listen to it now as a 30-year-old, as, you know, I'm 36 now or 35. Um, I'll be 36 soon. And, and I go back and listen to it and I go, none of this relates to me in any way, shape, or form. And I don't know how I felt this way. When I was in high school, I don't relate to any of these people anymore. Hmm. Pay your freaking rent. Like, you're a There is. I do have that moment of just like, so you're mad that your friend won't let you live <laughs> rent-free. You got to live rent-free for so long. So long. Yeah, it's, yes, there is that. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, yeah, I want to make my art and be paid for it as well, but I can't. So right. get a job. <laughs> Please, like... Until somebody pays you to make art. Right. You have a patron to do that. Right. Great. But there is – what's funny about Rent in, in that sense is, is that it is also written in a time where there is no other outlet other than mainstream yes. success. So if you write your songs and you make your films and they have nowhere to go – like if you're not in a band or you're not, you don't have a distribution. Deal. Whereas like now you have the internet to let. The, at least there is a valve release. I'm not defending. I think, I think that's wrong because in the '90s, especially when this came out, which is late '90s, yeah, you're getting people like Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino, oh right, filmmakers, right, who like breaking the door open, breaking a the bit. door open. Yeah. Like Miramax came, uh, Miramax came out and was mm-hmm. like, we're gonna give people money to make crazy films. Oh like, yeah, and you they could did make the two hundred thousand dollar film at that time. Right. Very easily. Like, Kevin Smith made his first film. Right, for $32,000. On yeah. credit cards that right. he didn't have. Like, yeah. So he sold his comic book collection. Like, right. So, yeah, like, there were musicians coming out at that time where there were enough small labels, you know, 
Ani DeFranco started Razor and Tie at that time to bring like Dar Williams up mm-hmm. the folk. And they are in New York. I mean, that's right. where these things are. Yeah. No, you're, I'm, so, I'm, like, I'm finding myself <laughs> in the enviable, enviable position of defending the characters' choices in red. No, no, no. Uh, but, but like, it's, yeah. And like at the time, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is right. Like, artists should have the freedom to do all this. And I'm, I'd still believe that mm-hmm. very hard, wholeheartedly. Right. But at the same time, I'm also an adult at this right, point going, job, yeah. there are problems with this. Same with Avenue Q where I go like, you know, I wish I could go back to college is a great song. When you're 24. When you're 24 and just out of college. It yeah. resonates so strongly. And at 36, I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back to college. Like, No, but I, I do have I, – I will say with Avenue Q, those emotions were very acute for yes. me. Avenue Q came into my life – I think we're the exact same age – at the exact right moment. Yes. We're fresh out of college yeah. and discovering that life is not what we had been promised and Avenue Q comes sliding in. I wish I could go back to college Life was so simple back then What would I give to go back and live in a dorm with a meal plan again <sighs> I wish I could go back to college In college, you know who you are. You sit in the quad and think, Oh my God, I am totally gonna go far. I mean, that song in particular, I wish I I could go back to college, I think is one of the, like, sweetest and most heartbreaking. And the music is... And perfectly encapsulates how I felt at 24, which is, like, I, I do... That was the best, like, that was so yeah. awesome. And uh, this isn't less awesome. Uh, for, so For me, like, I just saw Avenue Q at Constellation Theater. Okay. And I saw it not too long ago back in Delaware, yeah, too. So it's, and it's pretty fresh. From seeing it from Broadway when I was just out of college to now, mm-hmm. the feelings were dulled. Yeah, I wonder if it's like hair. I wonder if this is the Maybe. experience That's with shows that are, I mean, you're right. They are very, that show is 2004. Yeah. I mean, including the line, which I'm sure they change a lot, but George Bush is only yeah. for now. Like, that was... Perfect, and yes. you know, it, then at, at that moment, and rent, as you say, being the sort of like post Reagan, but yeah. life is short kind of creative thing. And I've always felt that way about hair. Every time I see right. a production of hair, I am so mad at the <laughs> the sort of like how clean everyone is, just in general. Every like, time that production goes so up, they're so well done and well. And the, like the men's, like they have long hair, yeah. but they're like so cleanly shaven. Their chests are shaven, and I'm just like, nobody looked like this. Like the one look- at Keegan was a little better because they was let it? them grow some of the facial hair out, even though they were young and could barely, could barely do, do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they all had at least five o'clock shadows. Right. Like, okay, I'll buy this because it's looks- hair for me as a show. I take very seriously because. It, it was it was written by people of its time about a specific kind of yes. time, and its message has been so distorted and and commercialized and packaged with the assistance of the people who wrote it. I mean, it's kind of a yeah. perfect like baby boomer story, like the journey of that musical. But I think we're far enough out from hair that you can look at it with a nostalgia. Well, right, but the nostalgia is bad for it, in my opinion, because when you put the nostalgia on it, it takes its teeth away. Because like oh, flesh failures is a should be a devastating finale to that show. But that's my problem with Rent is that we're not far enough away, we're not far enough away that from I can't yeah. put the nostalgia on it other than like, oh, we sang that song at my high school graduation. 
The original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American Universities. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to the original cast on iTunes, and while you're there, please give us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Lee Liebeskind for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. I've got you to lean on. We've got you.